G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about the dream of financial freedom. Uh, Perhaps you were laying awake in bed last night thinking about your own finances. Well, today we're going to talk about the dream of financial freedom. We're not born with the ability to manage and build wealth, but there are skills that we can learn. Our special guest this hour has just announced he's releasing a new book, in fact, called Simple Steps, Simple Changes, The Journey to Financial Freedom. Financial planner Alex Cook wrote the book because he saw so many Christians struggling with their finances, and Alex believes that God wants Christians to live financially free and to become a wise steward of the resources that he has given to them. Alex is the founder of his ministry organization called Wealth With Purpose, a financial planner, entrepreneur. He uses his skills to help kingdom businesses and ministries to thrive. And uh, we'll talk about his new book, but a special welcome to our studio. And uh, it's almost these days, Alex, a welcome back to Australia. Welcome along. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Neil. Great to be back. (laughs) Because these days you share your time between two bases here in Australia, but also in South America and Argentina. I mean, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. And what's it like at this time of year in Buenos Aires? Uh, Well, thankfully, the weather is exactly the same as where I'm from in Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) So when I hop off the plane, it's going into largely the same climate. Although uh, this time it went from uh, 34 degrees to wet weather in Sydney. So, and of course, so <laughs> with, a, with a home base there and your base here in Australia, you're expanding your ministry operations uh, up into North America as well. So you've got South America, North America, other places. I think it's Southeast uh, Asia. Yeah, so working. we've already got um, uh, some operations now in the Philippines. So uh, we, our model now is we have coaches around the world. So we're actually looking to find people who can go and go into churches, run our courses, and actually provide money coaching and business coaching services. So we've actually got our first guy up in the Philippines who's going gangbusters. Well, uh, it's exciting to see that your ministry has expanded in the way that it has. And uh, it hasn't done so without having real substance to it. Uh, so for listeners to our conversation today, expect... A great conversation and some amazing insights into how we can talk about financial freedom in an appropriate and biblical, godly way and a way that will set some principles in place so that we'll all benefit from those. So when we talk about financial freedom, Alex, uh, what is financial freedom? Is there some special way that Christians think about that that's different to everybody else? Yeah, look, it's a great question. And it's probably best to start with what it's not, because the average person tends to think of financial freedom as really just having enough money so you can do whatever you want, be it to retire or to uh, quit your job. That's what most people think. So it gives them that sort of sense of freedom. I can do whatever I like. Unfortunately, however, for most people, that's actually unattainable. And it's also very distant into the future, you know, when I reach retirement and so forth. But I believe uh, God's version of financial freedom is something that you can have today. And what do I mean then? I think it's got a couple of components to it. 
The first is freedom from worry. I mean, you had mentioned right at the start that were you lying in bed last night worrying about money? And so many people do. So I think freedom from worry is the first one. The second one is freedom from slavery. Um, we have a society now, Australia is the third most indebted uh, households on planet Earth. And that is really affecting people and really affecting their relationships and so forth. So freedom from slavery. Uh, the next one is freedom to be content. I think um, as Christians, we need to learn to be content and really grateful for all the good things God's given us. Next one is freedom to give. Um, we have a, an issue uh, amongst Christians, but indeed just in, in society in general, that is we're not as generous as we should be. And I think there's a challenge here that it is it's often hard to let go. I call it the, the challenge of learning to let go of your money and being free to give. Um, and then, of course, lastly, to the freedom to operate in your calling. I believe we all have an assignment and a calling. And sometimes if we're not managing money our well, we can be trapped and, and be held back from actually achieving our calling. So that's the components. Alex, I imagine that when you're doing these seminars, as you do in various places around the world, you'd come across the whole spectrum of what Christians think about finances and what financial freedom is. For some Christians, uh, and and perhaps uh, this is an awkward way of uh, being off on a tangent, for some Christians it's like, oh, now that I'm a Christian, God's just going to give a big uh, pot of gold and uh, <laughs> pour it out in my lap because now I'm, you know, I'm in his family yeah. and I'm going to be rich yeah. and I'll be able to do all of those things that, uh, that I always wanted to do. But, and, and I imagine that there's the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. God always wants me to be poor. poor. He doesn't yeah. want me to have money because oh, money is the root of all evil. So you've got this uh, this spectrum, haven't you? You've got wide extremes. Absolutely. And, and it's a big really, problem too. You like to cut through those and actually yeah. bring, I think, uh, the idea of biblical truth into what it means to have uh, to wealth be to pursue wealth as a Christian. Exactly. Well, I actually call it the middle road of stewardship. So the first one you sort of described is what I call the give to get theory. If you give, God will just give give back to you. And often the theory is he'll give a lot more back to you than you actually put in. You know, it's kind of like if I give my 10 percent, I'll get back a hundredfold return. And that's that's the you know a common thing that people put out there. As you say, though, the other extreme is the sort of the poverty mentality. It's kind of like, well, I'm Christian. Um, I don't, you know, I'm meant to just be content with whatever I have, which of course we are, but it's kind of, you know, poverty is just the reality that I live in. Um, in reality, I actually believe the church should be actually the best funded vehicle. And the way that it, it should achieve that is by Christians being good stewards. So in other words, God blesses each of us differently, some with a little, some with a lot and, and different jobs and so forth. But it's what you do with that that, that matters. And that's the, what I call the middle road of stewardship. When we talk about that word, and sometimes it's got a uh, a few challenges, hasn't it, stewardship? Mm. Because uh, if I'm a steward of what I have in my care, do I actually own that? And then, of course, the other side of the coin is uh, God owns all of the things that I have anyway. How do you describe stewardship? If we're talking about this sort of pursuit of financial freedom, uh, mm. stewardship's an important word, isn't it? Yeah. So, look, I've read recently a good description of it. it said it's stewardship is managing God's blessings in God's ways for God's glory. 
So I think that's a really powerful way of thinking about it, those three components. So it's managing what God has blessed you with. It really is his. In fact, there's a great parable in the Bible, most commonly referred to as the parable of the talents. But there's another, uh, depending on which version of the Bible you read, there's one called the parable of the loaned money. That's an alternative name. And I think it's a perfect illustration of the way Christians should think about the money they have. The money we have is on loan to us. So if we think about God's blessings to us, it's actually just on loan. And then we're called to then use it in God's ways. So that could mean things like doing things with integrity, um, giving generously and so forth. And then the third component of stewardship is it's to glorify him. We want people to see uh, God, the the true God, and, and so that they can follow him. And so that's what I think those three components that define stewardship really are. When it comes to the sort of person that says, well, uh, I've only got a little, or in fact, uh, you know, I'm always complaining that I've got nothing, (laughs) which is uh, for a lot of people, even though they might have a job, they're still saying uh, I'm broke. Uh, I haven't got any spare money or I feel like I'm going backwards. Are we a little short sighted uh, in the expectation of God's blessing? Because I suspect that if we take a longer-term view, uh, we ought to be expecting that what we put our hands to is going to be blessed by God. How do you see the short-sightedness of sometimes the way we look at our own finances? Yeah, look, I think you're absolutely right. Many people, they get trapped in that kind of thinking, and, and they can't see the future, and that God is a good God, and that I mean, I try and think of it uh, from a God's character. He is a good father. He, he wants you to do well. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have a good life. But, of course, he wants that for a purpose, an eternal purpose. So I think sometimes we become too, self, too self-centered, if you like, and we focus on our own situation and don't think about uh, the blessings that God has already given us and then what we can do with those blessings. So th- there's a component here where, God, we need to be good with what we've got first so that God can see that we can be trusted. I mean, God already knows whether we're going to pass the test he's going to give us. Uh, but we need to learn to be, that we can be trusted with money, even if it's a little, and then God's blessing will come. And as he sees, we can be trusted to manage the money his way and for his purposes. And that's when we start to advance and go forward financially. I imagine you in one of your seminars, and you start to talk about God's purposes. Sometimes we talk about, you know, God's eternal purpose. Mm. God is a missional God, that he has a mission, that he's actually fulfilling his will. Mm. And you've got people sitting in the seminar, and they're there to find out how they can get rich because, you know, as <laughs> this guy's come to our church, uh, he's going to tell us how to get rich finally. You know, we, <laughs> we've been missing all this other stuff. And it's a little bit like getting hit between the eyes uh, to recognize that God does want us to, uh, to become wealthy, yeah. but wealthy in a way that actually fulfills his purpose. Not out, not our desire for the perhaps the new Rolls Royce or uh, the new mansion uh, by the harbour side, but uh, but he's got a purpose. Does it get does it hit people between the eyes when you start to share these things? Very much so, because one of the things we cover, particularly when we start all our presentations, is around this issue of idolatry and identity, both two critical issues around money. So I think in Australia today, um, one of the biggest issues is idolatry. That is that money has become the false god. And uh, even though as Christians we, we think, well, we love God, therefore we don't worship money, the truth is that by our behavior and by our thinking, many of us do. So that's the first part, the, the idolatry. And I think probably the best example of that is house prices in Australia. They're, they're just monumental, and the obsession with house ownership is really out of control. 
But the second component, though, is identity. And that is your identity is how you see yourself and what you believe to be true about yourself. And unfortunately, many people get their self-worth from things of this world. So in other words, the car they drive, they feel good about themselves or the, the job they have and their success. The truth is we need to find our identity in Christ and know what that means to be loved and a precious child of God uh, rather than to get our identity from things of this world. Um, because if we get our identity from things of this world, particularly things like you know cars and houses, then that will shape our financial behavior and we'll do things such as get into a huge amount of debt in order to satisfy that identity issue. So it's a very, very important issue to deal with. It's so important. And you know, I'm just trying to think of examples. And as you're sharing those things, we all know somebody, and perhaps a, a young guy. I'll give you myself as an example. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you, you see if you fit into this. But you know, the young guy who gets a hold of his f- first car and uh, all of his finan- finances uh, go into you know the new shiny set of mag wheels. And uh, uh, the paint job's fine, but... I better take it down to the to the uh, to the paint shop and get it resprayed, and yeah. uh, and it's got to have the best seat covers, and it's just you know, and his pride and joy, his whole life becomes caught up in having a fabulous car, even yeah. though it might be ten, fifteen years old. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a certain sense, and and look, I, I, I'm not be hard, going to be hard on uh, on people who do that because it's great to have some pride in our in our possessions, but. Yeah. When you talk about our identity, sometimes our identity gets caught up in the things that we own, the things that we are on public display. Now, what was your story? Yeah, well, I was going to say, there's an interesting thing you're sort of saying there is that money is very seductive. So God has no problem with us having nice things. That's not the issue. It's when those things uh, consume us, and that's when they become... um, In fact, Timothy Keller's written a great book called Counterfeit Gods, and he talks about... Uh, the fact that idolatry today is often found in good things that get taken too far. So owning a car, it's a good thing. Having a nice holiday, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, having a house, that's, they're all good things. But when they become things that uh, consume us, consume our thoughts constantly and lead us to do uh, silly things with our money, such as borrowing, uh, you know, borrowing lots of money, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's also when it becomes sinful and when we start getting trapped and potentially enslaved by our money, which is exactly where the devil wants you. Because uh, he wants to make you ineffective. So he, the devil often is not worried so much about your salvation. What he's worried about is making sure that you don't actually do anything to extend God's kingdom. And so many people, Christians, get trapped um, by doing silly things with their money. Uh, let's come to, we're going to take some calls in just a few moments. But this idea that God doesn't actually have control over my finances, uh, that it's all about me and uh, you know I've got to do whatever I can in a dog-eat-dog world, uh, to actually gain as much as I can. Uh, that old saying, he who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> uh, those sorts of things, uh, for a lot of people, that's really their reality, and uh, they're living in that. But if we look at history, uh, we're going to see that God does bless his people because mm. the the way that God's mission uh, journey has, has taken uh, the spread of the gospel around the world, it's happened because believers were blessed by God to be mm. able to make that happen. Absolutely. So historically... God blesses his people, so we ought to expect his blessing. Absolutely. There's, there's no question. I mean, both the Old Testament and New Testament are very clear that um, God will bless us. But as I say, it comes through uh, through Christians who are willing to step out and honor God with their money. 
you know, we need to be people who are going to honour God with what he's given us. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talking about the dream of financial freedom today, Alex Cook is our guest, founder of Wealth With Purpose. We are taking some calls. Let's hear from Sean in Australand in Western Australia. Hello, Sean. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Hi, Alex. How are you going? Very well. Sean, what are your thoughts? Uh, as Alex was talking, I was just thinking about my own journey and um, just how relative it is uh, what he's talking about. I've actually... Yeah, a couple of things with the identity, um, particular, particularly as well. Um, having recently, or well, last year, um, halved my salary going um, from a teaching job into a different job. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, and listening to a lot of vision, of course. <laughs> the Lord, um, yeah, we, we do get caught up in, our, um, in the things we have, and especially, I think, as a male in... In what we do, you know, we define ourselves by what we do. Where, you know, the Lord is trying to tell us that, you know, you're you're not defined by by what you do, you know. Um, and I, I think too, the traps. I, I definitely feel um, as a Christian, uh, yeah, Satan does put those things, you know, in our in our pathway, and he does entrap us with the things of this world. And um, not only like with wealth, but, you know, with time as well, because we're struggling to pay debt and then we work longer hours. You know, we're taken away from family. We're taken away from um, fellow believers and whatnot because we're spending so much time at work. So, um, yeah. Sean, great thoughts there and a lot of things trying to rob our identity. Your response to Sean, Alex. Yeah, look, I think it's absolutely spot on. The identity one is is such a profound issue and it's something I don't think we necessarily think about enough. Um, And you made a point, and it's very true, men particularly, I mean women too, but men particularly, uh, find an enormous source of their identity in what they do. I mean, you're at the barbecue on the weekend and, you know, one of the first questions people ask you, and even in church, the same thing happens, you know, what do you do? And so there's a sense of self-worth that relates to what we do that can be very dangerous. And so we need to stop and really, and look, I think God takes us all on a journey with this to the point where he is all we need. And that's the point we've got to get to. And as I say, that's a journey for all of us and we all go at a different pace. But getting to the point where Jesus is it, and that's all you need in your life. And whether people like what you do or what they don't, you no longer, you no longer, it no longer concerns you. But it is very important for the simple reason that if you get your identity in things that are not from God, then it's going to lead to probably quite negative financial behavior. And the example you asked me before about my story was when I was 21, I was a stockbroker. Um, I was earning a lot of money for a 21-year-old. The first thing I did was, of course, I wanted to not only look successful, but to be successful. And so as a result, to look successful, I went and borrowed money, bought a European car, did all these crazy things at 21 years of age. Uh, And then it cost me because I had to pay it all back and there's all sorts of associated issues with it. But it was because my identity at that point in time was not in Christ. It was in the fact that I was a young, you know, cool stockbroker sort of thing. So it's very, very important to, to know where you're at and let God take you on that journey. Thank you so much to Sean from Australand in WA. And we'll take some more calls in just a few moments. But an important point just to reinforce that you're making here is that 
having uh, an identity in Christ is actually the first step mm. to appreciating financial freedom. Absolutely. Yep. Pretty cool. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Ursula in New South Wales. Hello, Ursula. Welcome along. Oh, good morning. Uh, look, I have two questions for Alex, but I was wondering if I can just make a quick comment on I like your um, five points of freedom. And something that's really helping me with uh, not to worry is the fact that you know, money is a renewable resource. God can always make more, more of whatever it takes. And uh, it's more the time, you know, time. I'm much more conscious of time that it's not a renewable resource. So we've got to be very responsible and diligent with the use of our time. Um, but my questions were, uh, one is, is um, Alex's book available on Kindle? Because I'm, I'm blind and that's the only way I can access books. And my second question is, I would love to be a coach, but again, I'm, I'm just told you I'm blind, so is there any way of becoming a coach, even though you can't see and you're a little bit restricted in uh, travelling? Okay. Well, well, look, I'd love to have, have you on. Let me, uh, in terms of the, the first question, the book, um, the book, unfortunately, at this point, is only print. However, um, we are planning on a Kindle edition, so I suspect that's probably no more than six weeks away. So that's something... Uh, we can make happen. That's that's a very easy thing to organise the Kindle edition. In terms of having your coach, look, I'd love to to talk to you off, obviously off off air. Um, so if you go to our website, there's actually a section called becoming a coach. So if you go to wealthwithpurpose.com, um, you can just fill in your details, and then I'll happily have a chat to you about it and talk to you about how um, how you can engage with us and get involved. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Ursula from New South Wales, thanks for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We are talking about the dream of financial freedom. Let's hear from Juliana in Bean Lee in Queensland. Hello, Juliana. Welcome along. Oh, good morning. Yes, um, yeah, it's very good to talk to you, Alex. Thank you. Uh, look, I was just wondering, um, a lot of people... Sometimes, um, yes, we do have to be responsible with our money because I believe one day we're going to have to give an account for it. Mm, absolutely. And um, I, you know, I, I try to keep my tithe in and that. But sometimes people, when parents die, you end up with a, bit, a little bit of an inheritance. And have you any idea of what would be a good way to invest in that inheritance that... Um, with the way the world finances are at the moment, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty rocky. It is. Look, it's a, that's a big topic. In fact, I'm up in Queensland presenting to a groups of church leaders about the very issues that are going on in the world, funnily enough. Um, so there's, there's a range of issues there. So in terms of where to invest the money. So I can't really tell you specifically what you should buy over the, over the radio. However, what I would say to do is start with this. Um, the first thing is to assess how much risk you're willing to take. Okay, one of the, the big things that any financial planner will tell you is how comfortable are you with at risk? I call it the sleep at night test. So how well will you sleep knowing where your money's invested? The stock market is um, a very good long-term investment, but it's very, very volatile in the short term. So you, um, when you're investing in things like that, you need to understand that it is very, very volatile in nature. The second thing is to understand your objectives. What is it you're trying to achieve with that money? Is it money that you're trying to get an income stream out of so you can live off it? Or is it money that you're saving for something else in the future? You have a particular goal in mind. So in other words, that's an income goal versus a growth goal. 
So trying to understand what you want to achieve with the money is critical. So it's having those building blocks in place first before you then make the decision as to whether you buy shares or real estate and so forth. Um, but you, your point is very valid. The world is very unstable at the moment. So all I would say to you is just to, to really do your homework. One of the things about Christian faith is being diligent. And uh, so I'd really encourage you to do your homework and research before putting any money in any investment. And just don't take people's word for it when you meet a financial planner. Actually do your homework and read through carefully anything that they advise you to do. Just one question. What do you think about silver? Silver? (laughs) I don't like commenting on specific things like gold and silver. Um, Look, look, having... Things like that in your portfolio, all good so long as you diversify into lots of things. Um, The thing with silver and indeed with gold and any precious metals is that they're very volatile in nature. So so long as uh, you can cope with the volatility and you don't put all your eggs in one basket, as we we, we tell people, then then, uh, having some exposure to silver is not a problem. Juliana from Bean Lee in Queensland, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about the dream of financial freedom. Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth with Purpose, is our guest. Uh, let's continue to take a call. Only a couple of minutes out from news. Uh, Des is in Laverton in WA. Hello, Des. Yes, good morning. Des, we need to be quick. What are your what's your well, question or thoughts? Back up what your speaker's talking about this morning. Shona and I uh, came to Laverton uh, five years ago just to build one house and leave, and God turned around and told us otherwise. We stayed, uh, and in this four years that we've had the Laverton Outback Church actually operating now, God has given us the ability. When you find that place in God. Yes, he does give you back. We've got two supermarkets out here in the desert now. We have a roadhouse. We have uh, real estate. But what your speaker also talked about, giving back. We are the local pastors. We go up to 800 kilometres further into the desert to preach the word. Uh, We have uh, Bible study schools, and we can do all these things because of exactly what your speaker was talking about. Find out who you are in Christ. Get into that groove, and God will pour it out upon you. Uh, and we share this with um, all over the all over the desert here. We pour it out financially. Des, what a wonderful Fantastic. story! A very quick response, and we've got to go to news. Yeah, look, I love those sort of testimonials. I think it comes down to when you're operating your calling. So God's obviously given you a there's a very clear assignment. And, Absolutely. Uh, and when you're honouring God by, and this is an, an obedience issue. So when you're obeying mm. God and fulfilling that calling. That yes. is when God will, as you say, pour out the blessing on it. So that's awesome. I love those stories. Des from Laverton in WA. And our talkback line remains open. We'll take some more calls after Vision National News. Alex Cook is our guest, founder of Wealth With Purpose. We are talking about the dream of financial freedom. Uh, we'll have some more tips, more insights, and you can be a part of this conversation. Uh, feel free to give us a call. We'll take a little break. It's Vision National News Time, back with more soon. We obviously need to ask the question, what happens if there are economic shocks? And you've only got to look at the media. And today, of course, uh, interest rate day, the Reserve Bank meeting, uh, they'll decide what they're going to do with interest rates. Some speculation that even the banks responding to some economic shocks that might be happening overseas uh, may well uh, force uh, interest rates to continue to rise. It'll put pressure on people's finances, pressure on paying the family mortgage. If you're talking about being financially free, how do you deal with this connection between the fact that there are going to be economic financial shocks that might affect our own personal finances? 
Mm, look, it's a critical issue. So um, one of the, the components that we talked about before about financial freedom is freedom from slavery. And what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs is that debt can lead to slavery. So in the context of what's going on today and the, the problems around the world, if we see uh, another a global financial crisis, what we had in 2008, there is the risk, of course, um, that the banks have to raise <laughs> raise interest rates simply because the, the, a lot of their money comes from offshore and uh, the cost of money is increasing. Of course, if Australia loses its AAA credit rating too, that will also put pressure on the banks as well. So the... The problem is Australia has become so debt dependent. Um, we have the third highest household debt in the world. Uh, and as a result, interest rates, people are so sensitive now to movements in interest rates. Um, what I say to people, when it comes to your mortgage, your mortgage repayments should be no more than 30% of your net income. That's what I typically say. At the moment, I'm actually saying to people it should potentially even be less than that. Because interest rates are at record lows, uh, if they were to rise, I mean, a standard variable loan in Australia today is around 4.5% or thereabouts. If it was to go back up to 7%, which it was only, you know, seven or eight years ago, uh, then that would put people under enormous pressure. So I would say to, to listeners um, to really think carefully about your home loan. Uh, is it too much? Uh, is it consuming too much of your disposable income? And ask yourself the tough question, if interest rates were to rise um, back up to 7 or 8%, what impact would that have on me and my family? What, would ha- yeah, what impact would that have a, on our ability to have a normal life and to, to still remain you know, generous, to actually do the things that God calls us to do? Um, because that's where the financial freedom can disappear very, very quickly. And I imagine you can do some simple calculations if you simply go online uh, for some banks calculators Absolutely. and uh, put Very in easy. the interest rates there and just sort of see where you might stand with your own finances. Absolutely. All the banks have calculators and so forth. So that's a very, very easy figure to get. Um, but as I say, you, all you want to do is work out what your home loan repayments would be in a much higher interest rate environment. So that way you can work out whether it's going to be very stressful for you or not. And when we're talking about financial freedom, are we talking about the attitude that we might have to whether there will be some sort of financial shock or rises in interest rates? Uh, the financial free, financially free person may well actually be able to sleep at night knowing that they've, they've uh, crunched the numbers. They know they can handle whatever's coming. The person who doesn't have that financial freedom is the person who isn't sleeping tonight because they don't know what's happening with their finances. Absolutely. In fact, there's a good Bible passage that says, a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. A simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. That's a a passage from Proverbs. That's a very, very useful thing. Um, It is obvious today around the world that debt has been building up for a very long period of time, about 40 years. And then we had the global financial crisis, which was off, was debt-driven. Um, but since then, governments around the world have tried to stimulate their economy. They didn't want it to fall over in a heap, which you can understand a politician's point of view. And so what they've done now is stimulate it with even more debt. So the level of debt today is 30% greater or $60 trillion greater than what it was in 2008. So it's a massive monumental uh, amount of debt that's out there. And so... As Christians, I think we should recognize the fact uh, that the Bible, when it talks about debt, it's all warning messages. There's no, it's not sinful or anything. Having debt's not sinful, but it, they're all warning messages. And we should take heed and say, what is it about our situation that we need to change? Can we get ourselves out of debt 
quick as quick as possible. What do we need to do to do that? And there's a we have a proper process for helping people to actually do that. Uh, and actually, I would say to Christians to aim for a debt-free lifestyle. Um, I, I believe, uh, in fact, there's a good passage in Deuteronomy that talks about the fact that God can bless the work of our hands. I don't think that we need debt. It's something that has become so normalized in our society that no one stops to actually think anymore as to whether it's even good or bad. It's just, it's just seen as a given. So I think we need to stop, reflect, and say, how can we get out of debt? How can we move to a debt-free lifestyle? And just a really simple tip is something like stop using a credit card and move to a debit card. Just really simple things like that. So you, you stop accumulating debt and stop depending on, on, on money from banks and start depending on actual savings. Uh, let me ask you, though, about uh, the first home buyer. Uh, you might have been following along the headlines uh, that you know show that if you're trying to buy a house in Sydney these days, uh, you've got to have a million dollars to be able it's to do crazy. that. Uh, and uh, so it's cheaper to buy other places, of course. But when we come to the idea of home ownership, and uh, no matter what would be said today, people won't stop having this aspiration to one day own their home because mm-hmm. culturally it's like it's part of who we are as Aussies. We yeah. want to have the home when we want to have a backyard, uh, the idea of playing backyard cricket. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we want to have this home ownership. But uh, your uh, outline of uh, some principles of how you actually manage debt, because uh, while you say that the biblical uh, basis is debt always has a warning that goes along with it, mm. but is there a comfortable and a good form of debt to get into a housing market, which may be a way that people will build wealth? Mm. Look, it's a good question. Uh, just to address some of the issues there. Firstly, home ownership as a general is a good thing. So I have no objection whatsoever to people buying their own home, uh, particularly when you get towards uh, you know retirement age. It's good to have a home that's paid off, and that way you've got a, uh, you know, a place to live in when you're in retirement. So it, it makes good uh, financial sense to do it. The Question though, particularly in a time like we're in now, is is it always good to buy? That's the question. If you ask a real estate agent, it's always a good time to buy. But in reality, um, and, and I don't want to overly influence anyone here, but Australia has the biggest housing bubble on the planet. It, house prices are so overpriced. So my uh, suggestion to people, particularly people who want to get into their first home, because as you rightly say, it's an aspiration for many people. So here, here's what I'd suggest. First thing to do is save for a big deposit. Um, banks will uh, lend money almost too easily these days. So aim to actually get a very big deposit, ideally as high as 20%. Now, based on house prices today, that may seem like a lot. Um, but aim to build that up and be patient because house prices, my personal view, is there's not a chance they're going to stay where they are. They're way too elevated. The second thing, of course, is that when you do go planning to buy a home, make sure uh, that you allow for a buffer. So make sure that, for example, let's say it's a young couple. This is the classic example. Both husband and wife, they have a job. They get married, uh, and, or they're already married in this case, in this example, but they're, they're married, they both have jobs, and then all of a sudden kids come along, and they're down to one income, and then all of a sudden the debt on their home becomes a massive problem. So for young couples that are listening, I'd say make sure you buy a house on the basis of one income, not two, because at some point kids are more than likely to come along. And then the third thing is make sure that the repayments are not more than 30% of your disposable income. Uh, ideally, at this time, given how low interest rates are, I'd say 25% as a guide um, because interest rates are bound to go up at some point. Uh, 
You might like to be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. You might have a question for our special guest today. You might have a comment as we talk about financial freedom. Uh, Debt is a big one and uh, certainly need to talk about that, but there are some other barriers uh, to financial freedom as well, Alex. Uh, Let's talk about one, uh, the lack of spending control because this is, uh, I guess, also connected to identity that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, but also, uh, for some people, that's just what they are and uh, who they want to be is someone who just loves to shop, <laughs> loves to buy things. I mean, for some people, they talk about retail therapy. It's like, you know, <laughs> I feel better when I go and spend. Uh, lack of spending control. How is that a big uh, barrier to financial freedom? Look, I think it's it's certainly one of the, the biggest issues that we, that we see that people have. Um, uh, the, the, today there is just so many things out there that you could possibly spend your money on. There's endless, endless uh, wants, if you like. And so that's a big challenge for many people. So what I suggest people do to, to regain control over their finances is to do a budget. Now, a budget is very simple. How much money is coming into your house versus how much money is going out. That's the, the simplest thing. And what you want to do is apply what we call the 80-10-10 rule. Okay, this is what you should apply to your spending, the 80-10-10 rule. The first 10% is what we call giving to God. So um, as Christians, we want to live generously. So allocate the first 10% to God. Because often we say as Christians that God is first in our life. But if that's true, then he's got to be first with our money. So I think uh, 10% is a a guide. It shouldn't be the limit. It's just a guide. That's the first step. The second step is 10% towards long-term saving. So that could be saving towards a house, saving towards your kid's education, saving towards retirement and so forth. And then the other 80% is what you've then got left to live on. So if you follow that very simple formula, that should help you to regain control back over your spending. Now, what can happen, particularly in the case of couples, is um, you've got one who's the, the spender and the other who's the hoarder, if you like. So what we recommend for couples is you allocate a bit of fun money. So you actually set an allowance uh, each month or each week, depending on when you get paid, uh, and you set a fixed amount that the uh, you both agree on, but where the spouse, the other spouse doesn't get to decide how you spend it. And that's your fun money. So that way you still get to have a bit of fun with your money. God's wanting you to actually enjoy your money too. Uh, so, but that way you've helped regain control over the spending patterns and the spending behaviour. An interesting point because we'll take another call in a moment because when you start to talk about that 80-10-10 rule and you mention that word, for some people they've got a problem with it, tithe. Mm. Uh, it's like, well, if I give God 10% of money that he gives me, then I'll only have 90%. Uh, in which to live on. And so that might impinge on my enjoyment of the money. How do you respond to people when they are a little bit, uh, you know, concerned about giving this 10% to God? And is that part of the recipe for God's blessing to be upon us? Sure. So look, it's a really important question. I think it, it comes from this idea that when we give 10%, it's gone. That's that's the, the feeling that people have. And they don't understand that God is the ultimate provider, that everything they have has actually come from God anyway and that God can bless everything they do. So when you step out in faith and give generously, God can replenish that in a heartbeat. It's, it's amazing how easily it is for him to do that. So um, God is not interested in our money. It's not that he wants us to. He's interested in our heart. So giving 10% is ultimately about beating the heart issue. It's actually saying, God, you know what? You're first, you're first in my life. You're first with everything, and I'm more than happy 
to, to give back what don't, don't come from you in the first place. Um, so I think that's a good way to think about it. But as I say, 10% is really, from our point of view, it's just the starting point to, to generous living. It's not the end point. As you earn more, you should be able to give more. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Robin is from Sunday Islands. Uh, should I be saying with Sunday Islands? Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Whereabouts are you calling from? Uh, with Sunday Islands. You're on the with Sunday Islands. Well, what a nice place to Fantastic. be on a day like this. <laughs> Absolutely. Extremely hot. <laughs> 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 They're doing very well. Yeah, just on the, on the, yeah, the topic of ties... Um, it, it's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's an integral thing. Yeah, once yeah, once the application of faith is yeah, is applied to it. Um, yeah, we own a, a 23 metre tall ship. I built it, and during that time yeah, to get the finances, I would set deals with God. Yeah, and, and pray about it and say, Well, Lord, I need yeah, I need this much money. And at uh, one time, you know, he said, well, you know, will you give me $100? Uh, and I said, well, can I double the bet? <laughs> <laughs> and over, yeah, over the next yeah, next 12 months, God had given me $70,000 in cash and goods and, yeah, towards the torship of, of the building of the torship. But it was that application of faith and, uh, and saying, well, Lord, yeah, you lead me, you guide me, you train me. Take out of me what you do not need. My money's yours. My life is yours. And and it's been a great thing. So the ties has been a part of my life. You know, so it's good. Alex, yeah, there's a great uh, point to take from what you've just said. I think, and that is, it's about total surrender. It's all the money we have. We've got to surrender to God. We've got because as Christians, we often talk about surrendering our life, but it's also surrendering your money as well. And so I think the way you were talking about that as with the, with the tithing, part of the tithing, the, the thought behind that is you're just surrendering everything you have. To God, so in that sense, it's beyond beyond the tithe, if you like. Um, it's yeah. about surrendering everything that we have um, to God, and then letting Him take care of the outcome. And Robin, uh, while we've got you on the phone, uh, yeah. let's get a connection here, and I'll, I'll get to Alex's uh, input. But you've built this tall ship, and some yeah. will some people will say, "Well, has Robin built that tall ship?" as a toy, or does it have a wider purpose? Is there, you know, you've submitted it to God. Is it, for you, something that is used in your own life and in pursuit of serving God? Um, absolutely serving God. It, it, it's been, you know, I mean, around Early Beach you know, with Sundays, they, you know, they call us the mothership. You know, she's, called, she's called the Joshua Sea, and, and it's a great ministering tool to, you know, to tell people but I, I just live by faith on these things, and and people will come up and give me money, and I'll come up and give them money. Right? Yeah, my wife is not a Christian, and uh, she says, "Did you just give that lady in the pram in Target uh, twenty dollars, and uh, yeah, or shout a free pie, or or anything like that?" And the boat's been that that way of um, it's enhanced so many people's lives, yeah, and and to do all these things to have Christ uh, rule within our lives, within our lifestyle, um, it, it's a good thing. But building a tall ship, it's a lesson on faith and discipline. <laughs> wow. Well, Robin, thanks so much for calling in today. Just great to hear your story and and to share your heart too, a generous heart. And you've been able to give, but you've also known what it is to receive from God, knowing that it's come from him. Thanks so much to Robin, who's in the Whit Sundays on his tall ship, no Fantastic. doubt. 
Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Talking about the dream of financial freedom, Alex Cook, our guest, he's the founder of Wealth With Purpose. His new book is called Simple Changes, The Journey to Financial Freedom. Our talkback line on 1-800-316-316. Probably time for just one more call. Let's hear from Tim, who's in Eden's Landing in Queensland. Hello, Tim. Welcome along. Hey, Neil. How are you going? Very well, Hello. Tim. What are your thoughts? Um, I've just turned the radio on just for a short period. Um, my question basically is, look, I'm, I uh, married a, a woman who grew up as an orphan um, in, uh, in um, Malaysia, and uh, they didn't have any social security there, so she really struggled from a young age, probably from about 12 onwards, because um, she wasn't blood relative to the family, so none of the other family really wanted her either. But she really struggled, and um, since we've been married, she just could not bring herself to tithe. And I really thought that that was important, you know. So we've had real issues with that, in that I've really wanted to tithe, and she just can't because of the hardship that she she grew up in, and that she just couldn't um, trust God to give that money away. So once it left her hand, she just really struggled with it. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm just looking for some ideas on on how to help her overcome that that fear of um of, of giving the money to god and tr- and being able to trust him tim a really amazing thing that you've just raised alex uh, we need a quick response but what are your thoughts for tim yeah look it's a it's a great question because many of us because of our backgrounds it shapes how we think about money so when someone's been through something as traumatic as what your wife's been through her reaction is is quite normal and naturally in in many ways. So to help the fear, though, because we're we're dealing with fear here, um, the thing that you can really sow into her life, I think, is about the character of God and helping her to understand that God is, uh, firstly, he's a loving father that wants good for her because she was neglected and probably rejected by the family. So she has that sense. So the way she sees God might not be quite correct. So she needs to learn that God is a loving father that genuinely cares for all of her needs. The second thing is that God is powerful, that he's above the circumstances that she's in. Um, in fact, there's a great passage that talks about um, in, uh, the, the widow. So Jesus sees uh, the widow in the temple treasury, and she puts in her last two copper coins. And it was everything that she had to live on. And I think the only reason she'd do that in, in the natural is because she knew that God was her provider. She knew that even though it was the last, it was everything that she had to live on, God was still going to provide for her and meet her needs. So I, my view for sowing into your wife, you need to sow into her the character of God and that God loves her, God provides for her, and that God is above her circumstances. That will really help beat the fear. Tim from Eden's Landing, I hope that's been helpful. Thanks so much for participating in 2020 today. We are running out of time. Uh, I did mention there is a website, wealthwithpurpose.com. People might be wondering how to get a hold of your new book. Uh, There's a number of titles and a number of resources that you have on your site that actually do talk about 
this issue of financial freedom. Uh, what's on the site if, if people go to it and how do they get a hold of your book, Alex? Okay, so the, the book can be purchased from the site and then it'll just get delivered to your door wherever you are in the world. So very easy. Um, in terms of the site, we've basically got, it's a membership site. So you can come in, join in the Wealth with Purpose community and you can sign up and you get access to our various courses. There's nine in total and you can choose which ones uh, that you want to have through the different levels of membership. And the idea is you can go in and do the courses in your own time, whenever you like. Um, you can do them you know, at night time when you're at work. In fact, um, they're suitable to be watching on a smartphone. It's all video-based, so you can actually watch it on your way to work if you're sitting on the bus in the morning and do any of our courses that will really help you manage money wisely. Um, they're designed to mix both the biblical principles with the practical application. So that's the courses. If you want a bit of extra help, we do have money coaching. And for those of you that are in business, we also have business coaching. Um, so if you want a bit of extra help, you can actually deal uh, with myself or one of our coaches who will actually uh, give you that one-on-one -on -one help that you may need. So that's what people can uh, have a look at on our website. And uh, if we uh, take a little cue from Robin in the Sunday Islands, uh, as soon as we got off the phone from Robin, went to the ad break, and uh, I'll just let you in on this, that Alex Cook said... I wish I had an opportunity to go to the Whitsunday. So I say he's looking for someone to, uh, Any to speaking book him gigs. for a <laughs> seminar. You do seminars and all sorts of things too. And uh, if people want to book you, they can do that through your site. Wealthwithpurpose.com is the website. Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Just great getting your insights as always. And last time we were talking, we were talking to you from Buenos Aires in South America. And that's uh, your home away from home. Uh, we'll see what happens next time when we're talking to you, whether it's on the phone or whether you're in the studio as you are with us today. But, Alex, great talking to you. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.